you are a seeker mm. you do not know that is the baseline mm. you are starting from a clean slate i do not know what love is mm. to have the humility i do not know and i am coming to you to first of all to understand then to experience to embody mm. but right now i am open right and surrendered and i have curiosity and i have humility to admit that i do not know this episode is special for two reasons i had to figure how to do a podcast online because it gives me access to more people second because manoj and i share a special connection he's a friend and mentor who significantly influenced my journey describing manoj is challenging because he doesn't fit into a box for example he's both childlike and ascetic like and so there are a bunch of these seemingly conflicting aspects that he somehow seems to have integrated in him yet here is an attempt an engineer and designer by qualification manoj gave up on his traditional career journey in his late 20s to pursue his calling His fascination to explore Sri Aurobindo's ideas on integral yoga drew him to Oroville, which is a one of its kind experimental community in Tamil Nadu, comprising of residents from more than 50 countries with the fascinating pursuit to realize the ideal of human unity in diversity. Over the years, Manoj has worn several hats inside and outside the community of Oroville, including that of a filmmaker designer, architect, technologist, coach, educator and institution builder. His knowledge on human psychology, transformative practices and a subjective view of the evolutionary journey of mankind is deep and fascinating. He's a prolific writer, speaker and conversationalist. He's currently pouring his love and energy into building for helping young people discover and internalize transformative ideas and get closer to their potential. In our conversation, we explore the human psychological mapping, existential questions because of AI, limitations of the cognitive mind, purpose, transformation, perspectives on education, models of governance and more. Let's go into the conversation. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Manoj. will jump right in yeah so happy to have this conversations with you and meet you in this way yeah <laughs> so I, i'll start with the with the latest developments in ai um so sam ortman who's the ceo of open ai uh in his conversation with lex friedman compared the latest gpt to the earliest computers i mean the stage of development of the latest gpd to the earliest computers then uh bill gates recently published a note the age of ai has begun in which he called one of his gpd interactions as uh one of the two uh revolutionary tech demonstrations in his lifetime so it's clear that we're at this a uh, critical juncture of revolution and 
in the past in with like the earlier industrial revolutions we kind of saw how uh, kind of like abstracting physicality and being able to delegate that to machines had like an impact and among other things one of the things that happened was humans uh, pursuing more intellectual and creative pursuits and so now with the revolution that ai is bringing and uh, our ability to sort of abstract intelligence sophisticated forms of intelligence um how do you think um this sort of what sort of lies ahead because at this point we kind of draw our purpose from these uh pursuits right so now that this has well has been abstracted at the psychological realm what lies ahead for us as a collective what are the different scenarios from here can we wow. can we chart them out <laughs> that's quite uh quite a question what lies ahead especially with this revolution yeah that is exploding right in front of us and yeah i since i'm not a technology person fundamentally i'm coming more from uh, yoga consciousness perspective yeah. particularly sri aurobindo's integral yeah. psychology integral yoga perspective from there the lens with which uh, i look at it is evolution where humanity is evolving from the age of reason to spiritual age and that is the broad context of mm-hmm. shyabindo's vision of what is happening in the world and when we look at ai arriving on the scene mm-hmm. it's really like age of reason harvesting its wealth and integrating it into a single powerful intelligence but it is still rational intelligence right it it is a kind of a flowering of uh, age of reason let's say even if we just look at material things there is a, almost a mechanical intelligence putting things in order mm-hmm. laws of physics and it follows the laws principles then we have whole world of life forms that emerged out of this matter following another principle though it mm-hmm. obeys physical laws mm-hmm. but it has brought in something else more instinctive intelligence and its top layer we can say is emotional intelligence ability to empathize and sense and it is a very different form of intelligence so then came this rational intelligence mm-hmm. so we have let's say these three different layers of intelligence there is a very mechanical intelligence running the material world and its laws and it governs yeah and it follows that intelligence mechanically then there is a life instinct and its own intelligence which we subjectively experience our own instinctive intelligence in the body as well as 
finest layer of it is more, I would say, the emotional intelligence that we can experience. We can sense things mm -hmm. in people, how someone mm -hmm. else is feeling. Mm -hmm. Then there is a rational intelligence, which is, again, an abstraction, ability to think and go beyond sensory evidence and know things. Now, that power is, as of now, the highest faculty. But right. from a yogic perspective, there are even deeper and higher types of, it is, we cannot even call it intelligence. Yeah. There is wisdom, we can say. And intellectual pursuit is coming to a crisis where we, let's say, our human mind, it is human mm -hmm. being who is in crisis. With yeah. our limited rational intelligence, we are not able to comprehend what lies ahead. Mm -hmm. We are setting in motion our own progeny, which is a technology right. that seems to be evolving much more rapidly and becoming yeah. smarter in a particular skill set that we have, which is rational thinking. Yeah. And it is outsmarting us. Mm -hmm. And what do we do if this is a pursuit that is now coming to a point of bifurcation mm -hmm. where it is objectified, it has been converted into technology. If right. this is put out, end of the day, still AI has to be given instruction in terms of go from A to B. Mm -hmm. intelligence needs a purpose now mm -hmm. if we are transcending individually or if, if we come to an end of our rational intelligence what lies beyond we are assuming that it is rational intelligence that is giving us sense of purpose there is mm -hmm. a rational sense of purpose. But is the sense of purpose coming from that? What is the other dimensions? For example, yoga begins where all languaging ends. Mm -hmm. When your mind is coming to deep silence. Right. From there, when you're not thinking, mm -hmm. you're opening to a level of wisdom, we can say, that is not rational. Mm -hmm. We are opening to a mystical dimension where we can train our mind to be receptive to a greater inflow of, let's say, intuition, mm -hmm. which, which shows sense of direction in terms of perception, but we human beings are not just perception, not just cognition. Mm -hmm. There is this whole experiential dimension of, let's say, sense of beauty and harmony and love and experience of delight. Now that is pure subjective domain. Yeah. So when an artist is pursuing something and creating an aesthetic delight through an experience that is very, very human. Yeah. Now, 
that domain we that lies not at the level of reason mm -hmm. it is a domain of emotions feelings that dimension is very deeply human subjective space so there is a subjective so, interiority where this experience is unfolding so what's more to explore there we've i mean so far as well we've been kind of exploring uh emotions we've all these like subjective elements as well have been part of the human experience very much so in terms of the psychological advancements uh i'm i'm still not sure like what are we looking at like next psychologically like emotional intelligence or the whole domain of emotions for example mm -hmm. remains unexplored ill right. understood it can be understood in terms of material reductionism where a particular emotion has a corresponding chemistry in the body mm -hmm. whether it is oxytocin or all kinds of chemical structures but mm -hmm. what truly matters is our subjective experience now we know that moments of aha experience where something yeah. profound moves in our heart yeah and that reveals something that is profoundly beautiful said mm -hmm. when there is this experience of deep love or a, a mystical connection with nature when we are in deep silence and there is a communion with nature mm. a deep sense of oneness and deep sense of connection it is not just cognition it transcends language even interspecies communication mm -hmm. a connection with a plant connection with an animal connection yeah. with earth with rock yeah. it is not in the domain of rational intelligence <coughs> it is it is transcending rational intelligence mind is becoming silent we are entering into a communion with nature everything in nature where our human linguistic domain has to come to a deep silence mm -hmm. and then from there it is not just opening to an intimate connection with things that is around it is also opening to a dynamic force that is playing through everything and it is also expressing itself through you mm -hmm. and it can express itself through reason as well okay so reason is one of the tool in our kitty mhm mm but there are other dimensions that makes experience of life rich right and that entry point is accessible to us when the reasoning faculty coming to a silence right now from there when we have a perception that is in connection with nature and with the experience of deeper oneness with everything from there we are seeing a purpose which is not we as human purpose but nature has created us and nature mm -hmm. is 
pushing her own evolution through us and nature is revealing certain next step in which we are just instruments. We may use AI to build things ahead, but mm -hmm. that instruction, that perception, like A to B direction mm -hmm. is received from a wisdom that is greater mm -hmm. so that we can guide the new forms and powers of technologies that are emerging. Mm -hmm. Rational intelligence by itself cannot do that. We need a higher level of consciousness, perception, vision coming from a source which is different than reason. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole science of yoga, how to transcend the rational realm yeah. instead of sinking down into the animal pre-rational stage, how do you go beyond reason into a domain that is vaster? And it right. is subjective and experiential and in union with the wider, wider nature. Yeah. Without that wisdom, we will be using this technological powers for purposes that are very much centered around our limited human ego. Mm -hmm. So who presides over these powers, who will decide its algorithms, its purpose? Every system is designed for a purpose. Mm -hmm. So what so is that purpose? That purpose and perception of the purpose. So how does that sort of wake up call work? Like one of my models would be that given that let's say my like highest abilities from which I so far have been drawing purpose since those don't meet my need for a purpose anymore I'm probably going to ask the question that uh, what is it what is it that what is what is it that makes me human uh, what what really is sort of the the purpose from here on um, so and like you described like from here on one sort of the mind enters into this like uh, into silence and then there is more subjective forms of um, nature to explore and like all this purpose and stuff so um, what I, I guess what I'm curious about is what is the role of will in this from here on like this is one of the paths that lie ahead of me uh, uh, so in me like going from my status quo towards uh, this sort of higher form of exploration. Uh, what is uh, what's the role of will, and what are the other what are some of the other paths that humanity could take from here? I think one you mentioned was that we could just be sort of like stuck in our ego loop, and uh, use these uh, machines uh, within sort of that domain. And but you also kind of mentioned that we have the opportunity for like a step change is like going into a new realm uh, so yeah if you could speak about uh what's the role of will in the destinies that lie lie ahead 
uh, how does will sort of work and can it be influenced? So let's say there is the will of a tiny little ego empowered by intelligence, which is let's say rational intelligence. Mm -hmm. But if this rational intelligence is serving the self-centricity of the ego or its emotional or irrational impulses and fantasies, mm -hmm. and this ego is empowered with the tremendous powers of technology, and it is centered around itself. And it mm -hmm. has a fundamental sense that I am separate from nature. And it is my own self-aggrandization that is its drive to sustain itself mm -hmm. against everything else. And it uses its will, its intelligence to serve that purpose. But even at a pure science level, there is already an understanding that reality is an indivisible oneness. Matter is not separate, separate thing. Though our cognitive model experience says these things are separate. The same way, those who have transcended the rational intelligence and went into the deeper mystical experience of oneness, they perceive directly experientially the sense of oneness. And there, the dissolution of the ego is a step on the way. Hmm. An ego, an intelligence serving an ego versus when you're dissolving the ego, you're opening to something that is even beyond rational intelligence. Mm -hmm. And you're entering into a field of connection with everything else. Where you are merging into nature. Because we are product of nature. So nature's own purpose will arise in us. We are not fighting against nature. But mm -hmm. this requires, this experiential entry into that domain requires dissolving of the sense of separation created by the ego. And this requires, again, a deeper quietness and stepping out of the linguistically created, we can say, our mental language model in which we are living. Mm. That whole language space coming to deep silence. Then dissolving and entering into communion with nature and the direct subjective experience of oneness. From there, perception and action arising there, it is no more the will of the tiny little individual, mm -hmm. but a larger will of nature. We are tiny little instruments of vaster wisdom and power of nature. Mm -hmm. So there is a will that is beyond us. So when the will is experiencing itself within the framework of ego and it is confronting other wills, mm. all these wills are part of nature's wills. Mm -hmm. All 9 billion people on the planet, these are all 
part of one nature pushing through these people. Similarly, the entire trees and animals and everything is part of that one profound will that is acting, a one profound wisdom that is acting, one profound love that is acting. And in which we individually are experiencing, I am a separate little will that is yeah. trying to master and confront and entering into a conflict with other people, nature. There is a constant confrontation and conflict that is arising. Because so what's the what's the model of transcending the ego will? The will so that the, is uh, yeah. shrunken and has its own sort of confined uh, outlook. So first of all, we need to install the right mindset. Like it is, let's say, it is now fashionable to say we are all interdependent. Preceding, <laughs> preceding yeah. that, fashion was to say, you know, we want to have our independence. Mm -hmm. So preceding that was dependence. Mm -hmm. There was dependence on other people or dependence on nature. Then there is this whole impulse to become independent and you become independent, but you soon realize that you are not independent. You are actually interdependent. That's mm -hmm. the third stage. We have reached there. We are happy to admit that we are interdependent, but mm -hmm. we have not yet practically in action admitted that we are one. Reality is one thing, one being, not many beings. Mm. And this is a fundamental mindset required. It is to be installed, drilled into consciousness, <laughs> into human psyche, that what I see as the person out there, the mountain out there, the tree out there, the bird out there, the soil out there, it's not separate from me, though I cannot perceive it. Yeah. Now, that inability to perceive that is a cognitive limitation. Mm -hmm. That cognitive limitation has to be opened up. And that's a frontier waiting for us. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we are again putting the rational intelligence, ego-bound rational intelligence, mm -hmm. putting that intelligence into an AI system that amplifies it way beyond we individually can do, but it is still right. that intelligence, limited intelligence. Right. Right. And it will it's do not, it. not modeled around the idea of oneness that you spoke of. That, uh, right. that, that's not part of its fundamental model. So imagine an experientially an experiential entry into that universality of the being. Yeah. And from there molding an AI system. Then you're putting that <laughs> consciousness into it. Yeah. I know what how how that would convert into a technical group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this is a this is like a like a part of me when I hear this is like 
I have difficulty comprehending this, but for sure, like, it's a fascinating idea. I'm curious if, like, uh, you were sitting having drinks with your friends from the scientific community. <laughs> what, uh, and how would, so what pressing questions would you present to them that challenge the puristic mental models? they might have now first of all when we are into research for example yeah there is a starting point of research something is calling me to investigate yeah now from where did that call come though you shape it as a rationally formulated hypothesis but from where did it get planted in you um yeah i mean i would perceive it as curiosity about something yeah something is propelling you to investigate this or that something in the operating so you're you're basically suggesting where is the curiosity coming from? What is the origin of curiosity? What is propelling you in your deepest level? Mm -hmm. And that's what uh, in integral yoga, we refers to as the aspiration, which mm -hmm. is not a product of rational intelligence. Mm -hmm. We are born with certain propulsion. Mm -hmm. And this propulsion is there universally present in nature and right. that is behind the evolution in nature and that evolutionary impulse in nature is awakening in you and pushing you yeah. to investigate something hmm. and nature if nature if you are assuming yeah yeah if, as a proposition from yogic perspective, nature is seen as not just oneness, but also it has the wisdom, power, as well as the love. Now the dimension mm -hmm. of love is not experienced. We mm -hmm. only get a little bit of a drop that is opening up in our heart space. Yeah. And when this propulsion happens like I love this work. This is something that is giving me a sense of purpose, mm. meaning, and the joy of exploration. And something is nudging me to go forward in this certain path. And it reveals step by step. And suddenly everything crystallizes into rational intelligence form. And you are able to explain it to somebody or validate mm. it to somebody. But it is given to you revealed to you right you're an instrumental condition and you can be a good instrument to receive what is the larger purpose nature has in human right what she is unfolding on earth so you're, you're basically to... you're basically talking about the operating system of things like uh, inspiration um, right how, inspiration like... system like when inspiration is treated as something that comes randomly. Mm -hmm. So that's something to challenge. 
you're you're challenging that yeah how do we systematically train ourselves to open to the force of inspiration not just inspiration the power of love mm-hmm. power of harmony in action for example now our human action is causing tremendous conflict and disharmony in nature there is a tremendous destruction happening mm-hmm. there is natural dis- uh, natural destruction na- destruction of the nature's resources yeah then there is a psychological breakdown that is happening right. and all levels of conflict that is arising so we are not yeah. in sync first of all we are not in sync our actions are not in sync how do we not synchronize sync with what sync with the universal harmony Mm-hmm. say if the human beings are not there in the picture right. nature had been thriving okay the system is evolving even without us nature will go forward but nature has created us for a purpose and we are the kind of last flowering in nature's evolution mm-hmm. so nature has certain intention and we are trying to control nature with our limited empowerment that is given to us mm-hmm. but if we listen to nature nature herself will reveal what is her larger intention that is in harmony with the whole and how do we experience that harmony within our individual subjective space when we have that experience we say it is very pleasant experience Mm. or we say i love it yeah yeah that's a it's an interesting question where does that come from uh just cause like the nature of it is kind of uh subjective we have not it is really... a subjective yeah it is subjective uh, space where we are experiencing harmony or disharmony the moment there is a yeah. disharmony within we feel discomfort yeah is can we a, act from a space yes is there a good response to why does the mind uh usually tend to be uh more open to one of the two so either uh objective or subjective uh and uh, is the ideal model like an integration of the two how do you look at it yes it has to be integrated the subjective and objective again this is a cognitive limitation mm-hmm. we separate experience into subjective and objective mm-hmm. which is a limitation of the mind as it is mm-hmm. again mind again has the limitation of it past present and future future is unknown past is already gone and then there is a limited window of the present moment it can know right so our fundamental problem is the limitation of the mind and its cognitive window mm. this can be opened up by systematic training Mm-hmm. so um, we will be able to or mind should be able to perceive across time into the future as well as gaze into the past mm. 
And that is the type of consciousness Sri Aurobindo was referring to when he was talking about supermind, where mm. time is not broken into present, future, or past. It is the totality of time. In Sanskrit, mm. we would say Trikala Drishti. That's a very different range of consciousness, a cognition, and corresponding power of action in the world. Mm. And the difficulty of the mind is, mind sees a tiny fraction and standardize it. And currently, because we have industrialized, we are mass producing and scaling it up at a planetary scale. And that too, a mechanical part of rational intelligence driven by right. language. So these uh, psychological frameworks that you're sharing about and like the models given by Sri Aurobindo and other uh, seers, they've existed for a long time. What is the barrier? Uh, what are the challenges that stand in the way of these uh, defined uh, states, defined psychological states? First of all, recognizing that they exist. Hmm. And bringing that as a collective understanding that it is possible for us humans to evolve into higher state of consciousness. So the challenge would be that we're not able to recognize it. Right. In India, this was recognized. Mm -hmm. And this had been going on for thousands of years. And we have living models of people who did it. Mm -hmm. Proof of the concept was always there in every generation and it is possible it can be done. And there is an evolutionary possibility in human nature and mind is just a small middle term. Mm -hmm. And if we, like our notion of development, notion of evolution, mm. purpose of education, even purpose of art, science, everything is oriented towards this evolutionary possibility that is lying ahead of us. It is already present, but first of all, recognizing it. Mm. That this type of cognitive range is accessible. Mm -hmm. When we access then the reality appears very differently and we act differently. Right. So our world view needs to base itself on such evolutionary possibilities. Currently, when we are looking at what is the future, right? Is it going to the Mars or other yeah. planets? There is an extension of our technological capabilities, but in terms of human beings and our cognitive range. How do we expand it? What are the possibilities? It is not known. The entire subjective space, traveling in subjective space, evolving yeah. in subjective space. This is not part of our modern education system, modern worldview. It is a small stream that is kind of a fringe thought. Mm -hmm. Right. So that 
whole like step change opportunity is something to wake up to yeah the purpose of social development purpose of human life purpose of evolution in nature if we draw it from evolution in nature and its yeah. long term purpose nature is evolving towards something nature is manifesting something beyond human beings beyond mind a higher level of consciousness if that is a bigger contextual framework and humanity is transitioning from age of reason to spiritual age that higher state of consciousness and that is manifesting within that comes social development within that comes education art science finding that way so i i'm curious what is the limitation let's say let's picture like a scientific mind and uh, they come with like uh, intellectual honesty and not uh, um, i was going to say ego uh, what is limiting this mind to open up to these possibilities uh, wh- wh- why are they not able to enter into the subjective it is not enough to be honest sincere committed the faculty has to be developed hmm just like to become a scientist you need to train the faculty of reason to be free from bias there is a rigorous training required and a rigorous process that you follow so that your process is clean hmm similarly to go beyond reason knowing from a faculty that is let's say knowledge by identity that is what the term shirobindo uses hmm if you want to know a plant the way the plant knows itself you have to become the plant you have to identify with the plant yeah now assume that this is a proposition this is a possibility mhm then you have to train your faculty of consciousness to do that right and that requires it's like a professional training yeah here again some people are for example some people are born with already sufficiently developed possibility say rational intelligence itself and some people are right. already there well developed some need to slog it out train it out right similarly in some people intuition is already you come with that so what so people the, are, yeah what's the experience of knowing by identity uh, if we take that example of the plant how how's that experience of so of like like establishing that oneness between the plant and the experiencer so here it is not so plant is not a rationally thinking intelligent being mhm it has a different way of knowing and being sensing feeling and that's the space into which we are, are entering into how a plant feels happy or sad for example mm. it is experienced within you mm. same thing happens with an animal 
or a larger landscape, for example. So the subjective space where there is an intimate sense of oneness, where the flow of So the happiness of a plant is subjectively experienced as your own happiness when you identify with it, its own joy. Mm. And we experience it with our close friends, people who are emotionally connected to us. Mm. For example, for a mother and child, when there's a pain for the child, mother feels that pain because there is a deep emotional bond hmm. we don't experience that with the rest of the life that is around right so what it means to feel the oneness and that experience of oneness is where the window of love opens up when you have the experience of falling in love with somebody that person's inner dimension is opening to you hmm. and then that is enlarging and enlarging and identifying with a larger existence. <clears throat> then we would even perceive that it is not necessarily the survival of the fittest mm -hmm. that is pushing evolution forward which is a limited perception created by our current limited cognitive window. And it is taught to everyone to compete. What, what, can, what can people do to uh, integrate the two approaches? Uh, to not necessarily be locked into that rational frame. Yeah, the, just like scientific training is required for the mind to be rational mm. and free from bias or minimize mm. biases. Mm. The same way the training required for developing the mind to be, say, silent and focused. Mm. Similarly, opening the emotional ranges in us. This requires training. Mm. How to open the emotional being in us or how to open the dimension of powerful dynamic energy that is flowing through everything in life, everything in existence. Similarly, training the body to be a fit instrument that is capable of receiving the lightnings of wisdom or lightnings of power that can enter into the human nature. Mm. That requires training and that is what yoga is all about. How to rapidly evolve and how to evolve our mind how to upgrade our mind, how to evolve our heart, how to evolve our vitality, our, how do we evolve our senses, how do we evolve our body? So that the body become extremely delicate instrument. Actually, body is such a 
profoundly delicate instrument. Mm -hmm. The potential of the body yeah. is not recognized. How to refine it so that it can open to the ranges beyond what we have currently access to. Yeah. Then we are positioning ourselves into a space where action is unfolding from there. What's our action that you're doing, whether you're a scientist or a musician or building AI, you will be acting from that space. Yeah. And if you can harmonize with the larger intentions of nature, harmony is flowing through you, which is casting itself as knowledge and action. Mm. So you become a transmission point of harmony in nature, in the world. Hmm. That's an interesting way to look at it, for sure. What are you embodying? What is the state of being that you have? And that is what you're scaling up. That is what you're transmitting. Hmm. What drew you into uh, yoga at the beginning, into Sri Aurobindo, and what's kept you at it for so long? There are so many schools of thoughts and stuff available out there. Uh, what made you stick with him? Look back, we understand. When I look back, I understand the process. But when I was going through it, I did not understand head or tail of what was happening. Mm. It's like you were living like a zombie and somewhere in your early 20s, you're beginning to question things. Hey, yeah. something is missing here. Something is wrong here. Something is nudging you from within. And that is what I would call the nature's prompt. But it mm -hmm. is not a prompt that comes through vocabulary of words. Mm -hmm. It's a quiet will of nature saying, hey, wake up, wake up. You have been put into this journey for a purpose. Mm -hmm. But at that time, you don't know the nature is prompting. But more you begins to listen to it, then there is certain mysterious coincidence that brings things on your way. So mm. when you listen to that prompt, on the one hand, prompt is from within. On the other hand, universe is responding. There's a conscious wisdom in nature that is responding and arranging things for you and nudging you to take this or that step. Or mm. sometimes we are... I was scared and on the edge of jumping into the unknown. Then there's a push that comes and throw you into yeah. kind of a free fall into an abyss. And you trust the fall and you surrender to that force. Then you see that you're, you're not crash landing. You're beginning to float and you're beginning to fly. And there is a yeah. freedom that comes with it. And you begin to trust the force that is nudging you. And you open to the wave and you realize how to call that wave to take you forward. And you enjoy the ride on that wave. 
And then you see that you are not the one who is doing it. You're mm. just an instrumental condition, but you can thoroughly enjoy the ride. And then you see that it is really like an interactive. Is that, is that your subjective experience moment to moment now that you're not the doer? How do like, could you comment on like, I love that idea, uh, but for me, I, that's not my moment-to-moment -moment reality. So I'm curious how, like, given that, like, you've been practicing for over 30 years now, what's your subjective experience? In subjective space, you are all the time shifting from becoming a mechanical automation zombie, the old way, or yeah. waking up and becoming, you remember, ah, <laughs> I, I was falling back into my ego trap, or becoming yeah. free and seeing that something else is doing things and it is showing you the path walk this way mm. take that step but you don't have a full picture mm. but you have the bodily instrumentation saying you took the right step that's where mm -hmm. you experience the deep peace and stillness and calmness and then you see that you are dissolving more and more you are not identifying yourself with this particular body because you see that wisdom is acting through everyone everything mm. But then you occasionally forget it and you shrink mm -hmm. and become small ego again, trying to confront yeah. this or that. There you become small and then you wake up again and then you relax. Okay, <laughs> I forgot the old habits right. came back. So that's right. a space of continuous transformation. Right. So that doership attitude, you, you, you're saying that uh, it's like, moments of falling in and out of it and an increasing amount of integration yeah increasing integration and even surrendering it is more and more surrender to a larger force a larger harmony a force yeah. of harmony where yeah. it reveals itself in you as knowledge it propels you into action it mm. does the action mm. so there is a growing harmony with it and mm -hmm. you are not initiating anything. But the moment you get unplugged, then you're back into your tiny little window and you're trying to push. And that is where the ego will come into the picture. Talk about surrender. I am uh, curious to unpack that more. I think there was a popular song from the Beatles. Uh, which has like a line uh, how can I move forward when I don't know which way is it that I'm facing so how how can like how can I surrender when I don't know what is it that I'm surrendering to what is wow. it <laughs> yeah that's a very beautiful profound and fundamental question when we are surrendering what are we surrendering to and how do we know it is the right force yeah and this is where the training is required. Discernment. What is the faculty of discernment? So first of all, our current highest faculty is reason, rational intelligence, and it's buddhi. Now, if this is to be replaced with something else, how do mm. we discern that something else which is not infrarational? <laughs> because... Mm. Nature is vast and universal. Infrarational stuff is also universal. Mm -hmm. Emo emotional irrationality and impulses, all these are universal. 
You're so saying one, all kinds of forces are there. Right. So all kinds what of force to surrender to. Right. There is a whole spectrum of force. For example, anger is not hmm. your anger or somebody else's anger. It is there in nature as like a wind flowing through. Hmm. And uh, human beings get carried away by that and it spreads like a wave. Hatred hmm. spreads like a wave. There is a right. contagion of force, a ripple effect. So is love. That is a contagion. It ripples through. Hmm. So there is a spectrum of emotions and feelings that you can experience. Mm -hmm. From being restless to contracting, intense to being peaceful, harmonious, vast, widening, harmonious. And experience of increasing love. Mm. So you can see that you are either shrinking or expanding. You are experiencing peace, clarity, mm. harmony, or you are entering into disharmony, shrinkage, smallness, mm. anger, restlessness. So the moment restlessness enters, you know that you lost the harmony. So that's the... It, that's a function of the nature of the force you're coming in touch with. Right. That's, what is the response in the body of yeah. these different kinds? Okay. Right. Sri Aurobindo discerns there are two aspects of nature. That is, yeah. one is differentiating movement and that creates and culminates in the formation of the individualized ego. Hmm. The other is expanding and entering into the oneness. He refers to it as a higher nature and lower nature. Hmm. So when we see that a force that is entering, that is differentiating and breaking you down into parts or hmm. entering into a fragmentation process, that's hmm. when you see that you got caught into the lower nature. Mm -hmm. And higher nature is where it synthesizes, harmonizes, integrates, and you, it gives you vaster and vaster vision, vaster and vaster harmony. And the baseline is peace. Zero point. Like in scientific mm. exploration, mathematical modeling, we have a zero point. And then mm. there is an accident. From there, you know where you moved. Yeah. The same way for the consciousness exploration, the subjective space, peace is the baseline. So mm -hmm. every mantra ends with shanti, shanti, shanti. Peace, mm -hmm. peace, peace. Peace in the mind, peace in the vital, peace in the physical. So you have a a reference point with which when anything that enters into that space, you can see that it is a movement of fragmentation, disintegration, disharmony, or it is a wave that is raising you up into harmony, into vastness, into mm -hmm. freedom, into love. So how does one develop this discernment? Relaxing into it. And first of all, uh, we are not relaxed. Our yeah. present civilization and present generation, and because of the intensity of media propagation and propaganda, everyone is so restless, compulsive. So learning to unplug, being with the nature, relaxing yeah. into nature. So nature is an incredibly healing space. So that's a good way to develop sensitivity to forces, basically. Right. We're, we're, we become insensitive. I mean, I shouldn't say become or whatever, but we, like basically the problem to solve is the insensitivity to the forces. Yeah, disconnected from the forces of nature. 
or mm. opening to only a tiny window which is constructed by our narrow ego bound human <clears throat> intelligence carried mm. by its own selfish motives and mm. scaling it up across the planet propagandas and we are plugged into that matrix mm. we have to unplug from it and plug into nature and when we enter into nature we have to learn to be silent so that when we are looking at a flower or a plant or a tree or sky we are looking at it with a deep silence and reverence not the mind trying to analyze and think mm. then only a space opens up for a communion and that connects again with the idea of knowing by identity that we're right. talking about right knowledge by identity where rational intelligence become a servant hmm how did the subjective and objective aspects meet in sri aurobindo it's two sides of the same thing mm. and as we are inside that's what we create outside mm. and outside is influencing what is inside inside is influencing what is outside and there's a seamless flow between the two right and the more you become conscious you realize that the material world outside is reflecting what you actually are inside in it works both ways you change the outer you experience the inner has shifted you shift the mm. inner you see that the way you perceive the outer has shifted and you also go and modify it differently mm. so there is a continuum and outer is an objectification of the inner the consciousness is the base line mm-hmm. it projects and manifests itself into things that we experience objectively this right. laptop we are looking at all this were first conceived in the inner space then projected into matter then it became a material reality hmm so that's the inner to outer what would be an example of outer to inner see so the nature we are in nature and yeah. there is a prompt from nature suddenly a bird is waking you up from your trance in thought mm-hmm. you may be walking in nature but you are lost in your thoughts mm-hmm. suddenly you wake up to a call from nature say a bird yeah you re- suddenly you realize that moment was very conscious and the bird was conscious there was a relationship there was a connection with the bird mm. so what was outside what we perceive as outside is also very conscious part of the universal conscious nature it can reach out to you through anything that is outside even what is inanimate mm. it can bring your way through a wind a paper cutting and mm. it fall on your you know way and you have by nature by chance you glance upon it and you pick it up and it was a message for you so the nudging is happening from outside as well as inside and it is mm. molding you from both side just like a potter is molding a pot where one hand is inside and other hand is outside and it is shaping the walls no 
Hmm. The same way, nature is molding you from inside as well as from outside. You're working on an um, animated film on the life and contributions of Sri Aurobindo uh, to the Renaissance of India. Um, why is this an important film and what is the message you want to convey? First of all, in my own journey and all that I have read, what I have found is he is the one person who saw a vision that is ahead of humanity. He foresaw the crisis humanity was entering into, but through that crisis, birth of a new species and that mm. vision, that manifestation of a higher consciousness beyond mind is unfolding in on earth and it is an intention of nature hmm. and that put everything in perspective for me now, i haven't seen such a vision from anybody when we look at today's world visionaries talking about the future of humanity yeah we don't get clarity on even if there are people talking about evolutionary possibility. Hmm. We don't get to know what is that higher consciousness? What is the nature of it? What is the process by which we can evolve towards it? What are the steps hmm. on the way? What are the limitations that are binding us? And not just as a theory, here is somebody who actually walked the path, opened the doorways and established in that consciousness and explained things from that consciousness. Hmm. And he has put his experience in a deep, systematic, philosophical framework, rigorous logic in the book called Life Divine. And he mm. also expressed it in a poetic form, poetic form in Savitri. And these are two mm. different ways to enter. For the mind to enter, yeah. there is a rational intelligence, philosophical reasoning through which you can enter. But from the heart and the soul to directly enter into the experiential realm of that journey, there is another door. And he has opened up doors in many ways, plus he himself walked the path and established. So he's a path-breaking journey that already has happened. There is a path already cleared mm. and processes available. We are walking that path. And this is of utmost importance to humanity mm. in this moment of crisis. And India has certain privilege in that sense because in India, this evolutionary experimentation had been going on for a very long time. And mm. there is an inherited knowledge base that is available to this country. And we have a responsibility as well. And we, the language that this journey has been expressed, it's much more accessible because of the cultural inheritance mm. and less bias against it. So it's very, very important that we understand the journey that he has made, the knowledge that he has given. And this mm. is not a repetition of the old spirituality. Right. This is a whole new frontier of human evolution that he has opened up. 
why do you say it's not a representative of the old spirituality so far what we see in india is spiritual evolution as liberation spirituality individual liberation where an individual can evolve and liberate and go beyond mind actually they say even uh, reject the mind everything and dissolve into something that is pure spirit an mm. individual is done with the birth and death and that's the whole framework that is evolution is complete you are done with birth right that is liberation spirituality right. it is, is that it, is that what could be called nirvana right and it in a way denies the whole earthly existence and evolutionary process unfolding here mm -hmm. this is kind of an illusion in which we are trapped we can wake up and we can liberate ourselves into greater spiritual consciousness okay. we are done with evolution but sri aurobindo is saying is an ongoing process nature mm -hmm. has an intention to evolve a new species and even collective evolution is happening and this is unprecedented the birth yeah. of a new species and transformation of human nature Mm. that's totally new mm. that's why even in india it is not understood people habitually classify it as yeah all are same they're all talking about yeah. the same it is not yeah there's definitely like that connotation around of like it just it's just like sort of like put into a bucket uh and there's like a label to that <laughs> <laughs> right it's easy <laughs> and it takes away the burden of you no know, yeah exactly I, i think that's that's the that's the easy uh, approach uh, it like it i feel there's like need for examination um, yeah like examination at like all levels when like such ideas are presented yeah it's like uh, if you want to study quantum physics you know you're prepared to really invest your time and energy year after year to really go into the complications of it the complexity of it and nuances yeah. of it but when yeah. it comes to yoga and especially yeah. sri arbindo's vision there is a profound complexity yeah. detailed nuances and mapping of terrains of consciousness and yeah. if you are not willing to put years and years of labor yeah. labor of love to explore and understand if you very easily just brush it aside saying it's all talking about the same yeah. thing you miss the whole point there's the i think there's the branding problem <laughs> <laughs> and also certain intellectual laziness yeah and lack of that aspiration it's it's not that like personally for example i was not uh, so much intellectually trained or i was not particularly bright even in my schools uh i was not at all anything uh that way i was very ordinary right but to me what helped was coming in touch with his consciousness through his writings and that right. molded and shaped it's not that my intellect is capable of understanding what he is writing but by opening to his language right. model if i may say <laughs> modern jargons 
if i am opening to his language model yeah and its integrity yeah. and that enters and that reshapes your mind even reshapes your brain and that will enable eventually to perceive what he is saying and eventually translate into experience and action so your point of entry was uh through through like a more subjective sort of uh doorway and then developing uh like these models from which you operate now which obviously like also translate into mental models and like right. rational explanations of how the model works right so when the prompt come from within you mm. can't explain it because it is not at the realm of language it is just nudging you to explore something or other right. and you walk the path and gradually dots start connecting mm. and it then become a kind of a stream and eventually you come across like i came across your abindo it was really like finding the ocean ocean yeah. of wisdom okay. and That's then yeah and then you immerse in it and that will reshape you and that will shape your mind and that will give you understanding and then you have a rational understanding as well right so you've you've kind of like been immersed into uh sri arbindo for a for more than 30 years uh and how and he's done like a like a very detailed psychological mapping how have those models influenced uh have those models helped like how do they help you have more meaningful interactions with people around you first of all in the process of immersing in his wisdom you are getting recast hmm and it creates its own language model mental models but that is a early phase of the journey because first mind has to grasp in terms of intellect hmm. if you are entering through the mind it is not necessary that you have to enter through the mind okay it is one of the doorways to enter into that wisdom okay so you enter through that and then there is some parsing my, happening of my, the mind yeah my journey my entry point was through the mind okay and then you are parsing his text continuously Right. in that process of parsing it is actually reformatting your mind okay and which will that's, eventually give you clarity of seeing what he that, is that's a powerful idea because like you're basically through language you are able to enter into newer realms exactly um, yeah so there is he has experience hmm he encoded the experience into a linguistic language <clears throat> model mm. we don't have experience what we have is the language model which contains represents experience. an experience mm. so if we try to fit that experience into our experience and try to fit ocean into the little bottle it won't work instead we enter into that experience and 
begin to understand words the way he uses words right and enter into larger and larger understanding Mm. and as the mind gets shaped and more and more formed and integrated then the function of the intellect in terms of a mental journey to understand will come to an inner quietude like you don't have to intellectually struggle you come to a deep inner silence where even the mental models will dissolve it is like a ladder that was used to enter mm. then you directly connect with him his force his shakti mm then that translates itself into new vocabulary new language new expressions yeah even like new like that'll also express through like a reforged rational intelligence and all of that yeah it, we have to open to that so that it can mold you it can mold your mind it can mold your expressions if you are meant to express mentally you express mentally if you are meant to express artistically you express artistically mm. but you need to enter into that space of experience mm. and allow that to flow through you what do you think is the role of education in uh the development of an individual you've been a educator just to sort of like set context you've you've been into the space of learning and education for a number of years now uh how have your models developed around uh your view and like what are some of the things you would challenge from the traditional system system is largely focused on the rational intelligence hmm there is no development of your emotional being for example hmm how to develop your emotional being how to develop your senses unless you become say if you are into music then your that faculty is trained but it's a highly specialized aspect primarily it is focused around the rational intelligence the whole stem is centered around that yeah the entire field of art is entered the another dimension altogether of education mm. but preceding all that first of all who is the learner we have to look at the learner as an evolving soul in nature and nature has already planted something that this individual is meant to be like a seed So you're you're proposing the idea of an innate purpose, right? There is an innate purpose in an individual. It is like a seed potentiality. Purpose of education is to awaken that potentiality and make the learner to be conscious of what is within that prompt from within. And if one is able to open to that, then your journey is set in motion. It's like how specific. Once or open ended is this purpose it is not cast it's not a fixed thing nature has a propulsion in certain direction with certain possibility but nature mm-hmm. is also constantly adapting mm-hmm. because 
the power behind nature, the wisdom behind nature is a conscious force. And yeah. that's not a mechanical force. And it is in every step it is adapting. Just like a river from the mountain, it is meant to reach the ocean. Yeah, but it but could take it parts. will It will, yeah, wander mm -hmm. around and find its way. But mm -hmm. which exact path it will take, it's open. <laughs> Right. And so what is the idea of also like the purpose also evolving? How do you factor that in? So that evolutionary dimension, this is where mm. if the individual is trained mm. to listen to that inner prompt mm. and constantly align with it. And that's what mm. I refer to as Sadharma. You mm. are born with certain nature, certain possibilities. And mm. you listen to that and that mm. will push you on the way. And yeah. once, you're, once you are awake to that propulsion, then you're surrendering to that propulsion, it will unfold itself. And this cannot be mentally constructed, but it can reveal itself in the mind mm. as a vision, vision given to you from within. So you propose the idea of knowing who the learner is. Uh, how can the present day education embody that idea? Can start to embody that idea? Like where, where would you put the focus? Focus, first of all, there are two types of knowledge. Mm. One is world knowledge, how the material world works how the yeah. economic world works, how the society works, how yeah. the governance works, politics mm. works. All these are external world and its systems and processes. There is a whole body of knowledge to be understood there. Mm. Then there is self-knowledge. Mm. Self-knowledge is not currently part of our education system. Mm. All that is given in the education system, it's a world knowledge. Mm. But you don't know who you are, what you are, how you are composed, what motivates you, what drives you, from where, where does the prompt come? There are so many different inner voices. How can we ground these ideas into like, what does an education that embodies these ideas look like? Such an education system should have a strong component of self-knowledge for everyone. It is a, it's like mm. a foundation course. No matter mm. what world knowledge, what domain specific thing that you will learn. Understanding yourself, yeah. how your inner nature works and how do you listen to your signal and how do we filter out the noise? Yeah. This everyone should learn. How would you, how much, how much percentage would you give to the self-knowledge part? In... That's a foundation. It's like asking what is the percentage importance of the foundation for a building? So there are multiple foundations to be developed. There's obviously this like external world knowledge, you know, that like STEM and like other stuff that, 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 yeah, that, that is has a, like that a crucial is, part to play, obviously. That's a domain knowledge. Yeah. See, you need to be grounded within yourself. Mm. Then you're acting in a domain and specializing in this or that domain. Mm. 
So one is a subjective inner space and knowledge about that. Other is outer world and its systems and processes and possibilities. Mm. And between the two, there is a match. Mm. A natural match that happens when you follow your sadharma. Let's talk about sadharma. <laughs> you're, you're one of the... Uh, our connecting point. Yeah. You're one of the primary creators of the program. It's a, by the way, it's a self-discovery program based out of Auroville. Um, what is the spirit of the program and how did it come about? It is seeing the journey that young people are making, mm. which I myself have done. Like there is a process of individualization that begins in your 20s and you're waking up and you're beginning to question, but you don't know what is propelling you, what is prompting you. And big people are beginning to wander and search around for meaning, something meaningful. Life as it is not making sense. So in Oroville, we were receiving large number of such youth who are looking for something meaningful. Right. So we, it's interesting. Uh, we keep coming back to the idea of purpose. Purpose. In, yeah. Like, it it comes. That's the key. From like different pathways, we keep just like arriving at that. We will come back to the purpose as the really the north star of the whole thing. So I saw that I myself had no guidance and I spent large, many, like almost a decade wandering around. Hmm. And if there was support system to help young people to really sense their own true calling, mm -hmm. that can accelerate their journey and they don't have to wait for the midlife crisis. And it is out of that perception, this whole course took birth. And it was also based on my own personal journey. Mm -hmm. It's so easy idea... to, yeah, easy to uh, speak about it and convey the experience. It's like transferring that fire, you know. Like transferring the the yeah the fire the spirit. Yeah, what it's not about the information. Yeah, from. Uh, having run the program for almost or over seven years now. Yeah, I see the pressing need and the desperateness of the situation. And now the focus is on how to make it accessible to more people. Otherwise, it was very limited and a small number of people were benefiting from it. So our current investigation is how to now this seven years of experience, how do we convert that into a scalable model Yeah, and uh, reach out to more people and refine the methods because this is a foundation upon which the rest of the journey can be made for everyone. Where are uh, most young people blocked? What have you learned? Blocked? When, yeah, like, I mean, when, when people come for this program and mm. given that you get the chance to work with them uh, yeah. in detail and like explore with them in detail, basically about their whole sort of journey. What have you learned? Where are, um, what, are the, what are some of the frequent points of blockages in young people through One, which, yeah. un, like unblocking which you help them like, get in touch with something deeper or the fire, as you said. It is a cost, it is more of a 
fragmentation, internal fragmentation. For example, the knowing faculty through rational yeah. intelligence, conceptual way is very well developed because our current education system is stressing on that. Mm. That's only a portion of the cognitive faculty. Mm. But the doing faculty and the feeling faculty are untouched by education system. So the one thing is to have knowledge. Other is to have the capacity to do. And third mm. is really enjoying what you do, loving what you do. Mm. And this is aligning these these yeah basically yeah. these fundamental blocks. Yeah. When you when you say when you say the capability to do, uh, what is that a function of? So there's obviously this component of knowledge that uh, enables me to do something. What knowledge are the other critical things yeah. that go into doing? Knowledge doesn't enable you to do. It shows you the way. This is where you can go. Yeah, like it's a. What I meant is that it's a critical component of me being able to actually, let's say, do or build something. Right. What are the it, other things? It is, it is a starting point. It is a starting yeah. point. Knowing yeah. that where do you want to go? Yeah. Now, going involves actual physical things and doing it in reality. Hmm. That is where the faculty of willpower, your dynamic energy to move people, get things done, come into mm. picture. And material world and the systems and complexity is pretty high. And right. when you confront mm. that world and get things done, become a challenge. Mm. So on one hand, you have amazing fantasy about things. And then there is this right. confrontation with the world that is sluggish, that is resisting, that is not getting excited about what you want to do. And it right. is opposing you on every step. So that's also molding the yeah. knowledge it, part from it, creating it is, that feedback loop. It, it is creating a feedback loop. So what it means to be free in your will to do so that your will is flowing in its ability to cast your idea into action, into manifestation. Mm. That faculty, the mm. doing capacity. But mm. this knowing and doing by itself is insufficient if you are not thoroughly enjoying it. That's where the feeling and the finest feeling is of love and blissful ecstasy of action, creation come into picture. Otherwise, you may have knowledge, you may be tremendously creating things, but you're not enjoying it. You may be right. even feeling guilty about what the hell did I create? Right. So you're solving for that alignment, basically. You made an observation on um, like the inability of the, like the traditional system to sort of develop the will. Can we unpack that further? Um, you, you, are you suggesting that the, like, the traditional education system is not developing in people the ability to do things? If education system is focusing only on bringing knowledge to people, but if it is, say, a project-driven <laughs> learning, mm. where you're actually doing things, mm. It's not theoretical learning. You're actually right. doing manifesting. Mm. 
say for example, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you actually build an enterprise. You don't right. sit in the business school and theoretically learn about everything. Right. Your learning journey is actually building an enterprise. Then you know right. the complexity of what it means. So that's where the idea stems from in Swadharma that like first, the first part of the program is to help sort of discover uh, what is that thing. And the second part is to kind of building the thing. And the third element would, I guess, be like the uh, um, integrating it with like integrating the knowledge will and like what brings you joy. Right. That emotional mastery, emotional refinement, emotional development. And when we actually look into people, most people are wounded emotionally, disappointed, mm -hmm. sad, angry, depressed. So there mm -hmm. is a whole regeneration required at the emotional level. Right. A complete and loss of trust in the system, in the world. Mm. And that's what making people to commit suicide. Right. So what, what, is the, what is the outcome of that regeneration? How does it help? In the process of regeneration, there is also integration. Mm. And integration, not just knowledge, love and will, but all these are connected with your soul's purpose. Mm. That's where you become an individualized person who knows his inner in touch truth. with the purpose. Right. right. Purpose not in the form of a particular mission. Right. But the power of the truth within uncompromising foundation upon which any choice is to be made. Yeah. Because life is like a river flowing towards ocean. You know that you are going towards the ocean. But you're saying that even though the, these movements, the, there is some constants. Right. Yeah. There is a fundamental inner checking. Mm -hmm. I'm going the right slope so that eventually I reach there. Right. So developing that sort of connection and perception right, that, of that uh, inner entity. That self-drive arising from the deepest core of your being. And that mm. flows out and that's Initially, it starts like a trickle, trickle of drops of joy that is coming in. Then yeah. slowly, it becomes a small rivulet and eventually it becomes a river. And you're creating, you're becoming, you are being created in the process. Right. You're getting shaped in the process. You're getting designed from within. Mm. Who's, uh, who do you think is a good fit for a program like this? Someone who already has a nudge from within, that fire to explore and willing to take on this adventure. Mm. Like you're not happy or satisfied with the world. Questioning the status quo. Yeah, you're questioning the <laughs> status quo and you want a deeper meaning, okay. a deeper, a narrative that is consistent with your experience. A narrative that gives wide span of vision into the past, into the future, into the present, 
and it harmonizes yeah. you in your action. What does it mean to meditate on an idea? Idea can be seen as a word or as an image or as a symbol. Now, when you hold it within you, that is called dharana. Take, for example, the word love. Now, you hold the word within you. There is a corresponding experience, right? Word love represents certain experience. But word in itself is just a hook, just a container. When you hold the word in your mind, you don't have the experience of it. You have the concept of it. But right. when you hold it as dharana, first thing is, this is the power of mind that yogins discovered. When you just hold it consistently, that becomes dhyana. From dharana, you move into dhyana, where knowledge about love begins to arise in you. Hmm. Because it will tap into your own experiential past and from memories and knowledge begins to arise. And that is really the first stage. You receive knowledge into you from within hmm. without hmm. reading books. Second stage is you begin to get experience of what it is. Hmm. It, experience will come and go. Third stage is you become love. Mm. Knowledge by identity. You, you are love. Your love is not something separate from you. And that is the process of dharana, dhyana, samadhi. Samadhi is where you are enter and become one with that. So whatsoever you want to manifest in you, you hold it as a nama, as a rupa, as a word, as a symbol, as an ideal. When you hold it, it will bring the corresponding knowledge. It will lead with you what, to experience. It will manifest. With what spirit are we holding the idea here? Are we, so the idea is to not uh, sort of intellectualize or rationalize the word. But, no. So, so can you unpack the idea of dharana, the word that you used more? You are a seeker. Mm. You do not know. That is the baseline. Mm. You are starting from a clean slate. I do not know what love is. Mm. To have the humility, I do not know. And I am coming to you to first of all, to understand, then to experience, to embody. Mm. But right now, I am open right. and surrendered and I have curiosity and I have humility to admit that I do not know. Yeah. And with utmost sincerity. So it's almost like a very, very sacred thing to do. Because Yeah, that's a beautiful idea nature has to reveal to you <clears throat> depending upon whether you are ready instrument to receive that. Mm. It's not in your hand. 
it's like kind of, yeah in the battlefield arjuna was the only person who realized that i'm torn i can't do this it doesn't make any sense i'm crumbling i don't know yeah. krishna i do not know what to do <clears throat> what this destruction is all about it doesn't make any sense to me he was in deep sorrow mm. from then in that space when you are holding mm. like krishna is representative of that higher wisdom you are approaching that then the, from there you receive knowledge yeah that you receive within you it gets revealed to you and from there it moves towards experience eventually to embodiment so preparing you to be like how to remove your egoism right why am i seeking this am i sincere yeah am i truly in that space of not knowing and i have this yearning to know yearning right. to be the thirst if it is not there if it is just an intellectual curiosity let me test it out yeah so it is not a critical yeah mm. it is not a, a critical thinking that will help you here yeah i mean it could help you to a stage but it will not get you all the way through to the experience of the idea no it cannot all the questions eventually will come to silence and your heart is open i want you know please reveal it to me i kind of like how your vocabulary has so much of reveal and <laughs> like that's so telling of like what your model is of course <laughs> no you you realize that even your own self transformation you keep struggling to change your habits and they just don't change and you realize that it's not in your hand something beyond has to grant that blessings upon you a greater yeah. wisdom of which you are a small tiny wave and when <clears throat> that chooses mm. then that reveals and you're blessed so the the effort is kind of like in opening up basically. yeah seeker you can become a seeker you can kindle your yeah. aspiration you can use your intelligent will to support it yeah quietly yeah i think th- that's like in to me is like an inspiring idea of like if the goal of education was to like create strong seekers uh you know um i want to ask is meditation an activity or like i and i ask that cuz uh, for me like when i'm in it my experience is a certain thing but once like i'm out of it it's completely different but whereas when i look at you you sort of seem meditative most of the time so how do you embody that as a state that is in direct proportion to integration that happens our normal stage state is fragmentation the mind is fragmented emotions are separate 
our doing capacity is separate, our energy is separate, senses are separate. They are all mm. pulling in different directions. They are not integrated, harmonized. It is only, yeah. so normally, okay, let's say this way. Normally what happens is one of the part is seeking something. Mm. Then the other part is pulling in different direction and revolting. That's why you cannot be fully present. You cannot be wholehearted in anything. Because only yeah. a portion of you is able to engage, not the whole of you. Right. So the process is first of integration. And integration requires finding your center. Right. And then all these parts come into increasing harmony and they start working together, harmonized, unified whole. Then also you are then opening to the universal nature to work through you. So not only you get synthesized and harmonized and integrated, then you are dissolving into a vaster nature. Mm. So it is in that space, karma samadhi become possible. There are different types of samadhi. One popular idea about samadhi is uh, dhya, dharana dhyana samadhi, where you are immobile, you are inwardly absorbed mm -hmm. in trance condition. Right that is in a deep meditation, but you mm. cannot act in the world. Right. The other is karma <clears throat> samadhi, that what we are taught in the Gita, the karma samadhi, you are in action, you are absorbed in action, but it is not you who are doing, you are only mm. an instrumental condition. The vaster wisdom is acting through you. And mm. you have the blessing and the privilege of knowing it consciously and let it work through you and surrender to that force of action. You're absorbed in it. You're completely right. absorbed. You are not there. There is nothing like what is my sodharma. <laughs> in fact, all that has to be wiped out eventually. Right. That's a starting point. Yeah. Rather, it's not, I would say, starting point. That's where it enters, where mm. you are not there. It is that vast wisdom that is acting through you as well as it is acting through everyone and everything at the same time. Mm. You're surrendering to that. So there is a complete effortlessness. And that's where it becomes an increasing flow of your being into becoming. Mm. Can you talk about what's happening in the process of journaling? There are many ways to journal. One is to just document your day mm. or your past. Other is to use writing as a means to explore. Explore mm. deeper dimensions. Mm. This is where journaling becomes fascinating. Journaling becomes uh, a journey. Mm. Journey of self-discovery where uh, you leave behind the surface personality and you open to deeper dimensions of your being and that part, let it work through you, express through your writing. But this requires training. Mm. That what it means to actually be really silent and hold the pen and just start writing in a free flow manner and open to a flow that is entering into you and revealing itself. 
And as you master that art form, you can also give deeper prompts to different parts of your being and get a response from within that is flowing through your journaling action. And it mm. becomes very transformative. So it's also a good exercise to integrate. It is. Personally, journaling for me is an incredibly powerful, transformative, integrative process. Mm. Our normal thinking is very random because mm. it's very rapid. But mm. the moment you take a book and start writing, because the physicality is involved, it is a slow yeah. process. And you naturally get concentrated. And then surrender your surface personality and then open to something else. And that's where the magic begins. Mm. So there are many, many ways of using journaling to go deeper, to heal, to have deeper conversations with different parts of your being, even with others in your life, to know them from within yeah. you. Yeah, it's more like getting into the more experiential realm of like right. just getting like I mean you'd probably start from like the thought and mind but might slowly get compelled into exploring other territories right we can explore we can really and that's actually what all the great writers do yeah. they open themselves to the large collective unconscious or the larger spirit of the time and that will express itself through the writers as particular poem or a book that become wildfire in the society right. because the time spirit is expressing itself through this particular author let's talk about governance a bit um, switching gears you've been part of a incredibly interesting experiment at Orville for almost 30 years now. And uh, there's, a, there's probably like a lot to talk about Orville, but <laughs> kind of like confining uh, to the idea of governance. So we've obviously, we're aware of the traditional forms of governance, which embodies these like hierarchical structures and invests a great deal of power in the individuals, selected individuals. And uh, the uh, other end of the spectrum in Auroville has been uh, a great deal of um, decentralized, autonomous form. Um, and this experiment has already been also running for a long time now. So I'm curious, what is your current model of understanding that synthesizes uh, observations and learnings from all these models. And from there, we can also touch upon how do you look at uh, data-driven AI governance? What aspects of the governance can be delegated? Would, like in your view, would be, could be delegated to AI and what should stay with the humans? It's a packed question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a lot there. Let's say there are two fundamental movements that we need to harmonize when we are talking about a society. One yeah. is individual freedom. There is mm -hmm. a, an impulse, fundamental impulse in the individual to grow, 
to expand and be free. And it is, mm. it is something very, very fundamental to be free, to grow, mm. to evolve. Now, this has to be honored. On the other hand, when the individual is pursuing that freedom and creativity and growth yeah. at the expense of others, that become a disease for the collective well-being. It has to be constrained. Hmm. Yeah. So we have, on one hand, the capitalist approach, which is maximizing individual freedom, hmm. where your self-interest is treated as legally valid. And it is yeah. perfectly all right in that system for 1% of humanity to own up majority of most of the wealth of the planet. Mm. It is legally permissible in that way of you are capable individual, you can harness as much as you want. Right. On the other side, the communist system emerged. We are looking at a collective welfare and there is a collective discipline that is brought in mm. where individual freedom is constrained. And in that process, on one hand, there is more equality, but then human nature is such, even in communist system became dictatorship systems and with the loss mm. of individual freedom, too much centralized power mm. that was killing on capitalist system. It became so much freedom that is destroying nature, destroying society at the cost of, yeah. and to in, in, on the self-aggrandization journey. Mm. And, both are two extremes. Mm. So in every society, you will face this particular challenge of individual freedom versus collective discipline. What is the regulating policies, principles that society will follow? Yeah. And everyone has to submit to that. Then so many different ways of organizing it has been developed. But then fundamentally, there is seeking of the individual to be free. Mm. So if we take water water exists yeah. as solid as ice yeah. snow, which has a particular structure individual molecules have limited freedom then another range it become water it has a higher degree of individual freedom. freedom then yeah. cloud it has a much higher degree of freedom but the form is already very very loose yeah same molecules existing at three different degrees of freedom right and the degree of freedom an individual can handle depends upon that individual's evolutionary stage. Mm. Some individuals would require a solid- More freedom than uh, others. Yeah, some would require cloud form, some would require a water stage, one, some would require right. a solid, protective, limited yeah. set. I think maybe a better way to say, like better word than require would be that they're capable of yeah. that level of freedom. Capable of certain levels of freedom right. without self-destruction. <laughs> yeah. Like in the name of freedom, we can self-destruct ourselves. Mm -hmm. So just like growing up children, we provide necessary safe uh, containers where they can enjoy yeah. their play and creativity without damaging themselves. Mm. And whereas somebody who has become for free, need that free space to express. So in every society, 
we will have people at different degrees of evolution. So the right. challenge will be how to provide that different degree of freedom according to the evolutionary stage of the individual. That's a fascinating idea. <laughs> Do you have ideas around how how would the embodiment of this look like? Like how would the how how would this idea how could it how could it be grounded in like? I believe uh, technology. AI in particular can play a tremendous role in this. A society in itself, an organization in itself mm. doesn't exist in isolation. It has a purpose. Here again, we are coming back to purpose. Mm. An organized entity, a collectivity has a purpose. Yeah. yeah. So that North Star has to be clear. Mm. Now, that's the North Star where we are going. This is where we are. This is the next step we have to take collectively. Mm. So the membership to the collective itself is with respect to the North Star. And the one who is coming and joining the organization itself needs to be aligned with that purpose. If it right. is not, there is no point in stepping into the ship going in that direction. So admission to the organization collectivity itself is an important process where the choice is conscious. Mm. Now, so there are thousands of people, say, let's say it's something like over 50,000 people, people at mm. a different degrees of evolution. And we have a North Star to go. And mm. this is the past. This is the now, diversity unit. Yeah, right. Unity in diversity. Right. Yeah. That's a very, very important concept. The mm. diversity, the diversity and unity. Often in the name of unity, what is established is un uh, uniformity. Hmm. For example, uh, globalizing something. When Coca-Cola is globalized, it is the same thing standardized and scaled across the planet. Yeah. Same drink everywhere. It's just yeah. horizontal growth. There is no diversity in it. Hmm. But drinks are diversified in every culture, everywhere on the planet. There is hundreds and thousands of types of drinks, but everything gets right. wiped out by the single monolithic standardized mass production. Yeah. Though it, it looks like you unified the world, but it is a uniformity killing entire diversity of the planet. Yeah. In a society, we need to ensure diversity, diversity on the foundation of unity. And this is a fundamental challenge. And the instinct is to create uniformity. Everybody is equal, so everyone gets the same payment. Mm. That's another mechanistic way of thinking. Yeah. People want everyone to wear the same uniform. So all many of the collectivities tend to adopt uniforms and like equal division of the pie to everybody to right. in the name of equality. That's a that's a suboptimal idea of unity. It is it is suboptimal and it is uh, mechanical, unthinking and not honoring the fundamental difference of the individuals and the fundamental impulse to individualize, diversify. Yeah. So yeah. this is something very fundamental to be considered in the design of the system. So yeah. when we have a collectivity of 50,000 people and there is a North Star there where we are going and there are hundreds of projects 
And our current limitation is we do not have a ground level data where we are mm. in terms of what has been done, mm. how much is done, how much is yet to be done. So that collective intelligence or a planning overseeing intelligence is not yet in place. Mm. So there is a preceding stage where so-called organic growth happens. Say in a forest, forest is a decentralized distributed system of organic ecosystem thriving in itself. Right. Then man emerges and brings rational intelligence and plan to organize and plan to build cities, which is very different from nature. Mm. So a city can have a coherent design Mm. where water is managed across the region where it is living and it is not damaging this ecosystem and it is possible to design but it requires seeing the totality mm. so but that requires certain level of overview centralized vision of it this is the right. big picture now for that picture to be relevant to the ground ground has to supply but this is the ground reality mm. So if we imagine it to be really like a living torus, right? hundreds of projects around, and these projects are to be in alignment with the North Star. Right. But that will be one fundamental check to be done. Whatsoever <clears throat> be the project that is arri arising in the system, is it right. in alignment with the North Star? Hmm. How is it taking people one step closer to that? Hmm. If that is there, then it is where we are. What is the data with respect to that? Here is where we plan to go. This is where we are. That picture is currently not existing. Mm. So it will be critically important to have data mm. for a society to self-govern itself. And collectivity uh, feedback loop that is feeding into the common knowledge pool hmm. where every project has its direction set with reference to the North Star and this is where it is hmm. and modeling that collectivity to change the rules of the game that affects everyone else. Right. That will be algorithmic for example. So th those who define the central regulatory algorithms yeah. needs to have a higher level of vision and alignment with the purpose. Mm. And that cannot be done by voting and things like that. That belongs to a period where humanity was transitioning from kingdoms to nation states. Mm. And today, we have to look at collective intelligence and feedback loops. And the intelligent algorithms that actually are social laws, mm. governing principles. Say if somebody is generating wealth, now a portion of it has to be poured into the collective and what is the portion that individual can hold mm. and reinvest in the collective or 
the person is pouring into the collective pot where collective pot can decide to invest in the common infrastructure and facilities. So balancing between these two and the principles that would fine tune it hmm. will be very important. So our ability to model a collectivity, an evolving collectivity and its behavior hmm. will be very, very valuable to make policy decisions because the policy is really like an algorithm that will govern the behavior yeah. of the system. Yeah. And it cannot be voting driven things because that belongs to the past that is not based on intelligence. Yeah. So elements are not star, the purpose. Right. Then there is a collective intelligence mm -hmm. that is feeding feedback loop, consistent, continuous feedback loop. Then the regulatory policies, principles, algorithms that is mm. constantly adapting and aligning. Mm. Yeah, and, and you also spoke about the like the differential amounts of uh, flexibility, like the freedom to different individuals. Yeah, and different individuals plugging into different projects according to their capacity and playing roles according to their capacity, what they can, mm. that, what they can manage. What is the degree of freedom one can manage? Interesting. It but we are far from it. We are far from it. Would be interesting to uh, to give an AI a prompt of uh, developing like a like a goal is to a, a city that embodies human unity and diversity and work back from there to what kind of governance model, social interaction, etc. Actually, show. India India is doing a tremendous work in this field. Mm -hmm. uh, if we look at the way India is building public digital infrastructure, yeah, it is so innovative, yeah, so radical. Mm -hmm. Like in the world, there is two different models emerging. It is again a culmination of the age of reason. Shirobindo says age of reason, reason itself, the logic itself is a mechanical thing. It will create a mechanical state, mm. a standardized perfection, uniformity created across the planet. Mm. That's where it will head. And we have two competing models. One is surveillance state American model, the other is surveillance state Chinese model. Mm. American model is more corporate surveillance. Chinese model is more government surveillance mm. and the standardized structuring, manufacturing perceptions, manufacturing behavior, standardized perfection that is sought there. Right. Whereas India is laying a foundation that is radical mm. where Starting with Aadhaar, then UPI, and then Fastag, Account Aggregator, ONDC, yeah. all this built on the foundation of Beckon Protocol. Yeah. Idea is, yeah. data democratization. Yeah, also. idea of data democracy. And mm. Beckon Protocol providing the unifying layer mm. upon which a diversity can thrive. And every service is designed as 
small independent interoperable service they can start play, plug and play with each other right and the tremendous diversity can arise and the collective intelligence can thrive in that space unifying digital foundation is getting late some five to ten years down the line india will be a completely different space in terms of the explosion of the collective creativity and unifying foundation that is holding it all together mm. and that a democracy and this is unique in the world mm. let's zoom out a little and think what what are some of the problems you think about deeply what like yeah like what keeps you up at night sometimes there is a stage of your journey where you are thinking about problems mm. after a while once you start seeing the future you are not thinking about the problems you are inspired by the future glory and the wisdom that is leading everything towards that manifestation so that inspiration sometimes keep you awake sometimes it is pouring in you are so overwhelmed by that joy of seeing what is unfolding and manifesting mm. and what is working behind the veil on one hand world is disintegrating and falling apart and then there is something else that is emerging from behind the scene and the more you see it more you see the miracles and more you know that we as humans with our limited cognitive window it's hard to know where it will lead but there is a yeah. tremendous adventurous transformative journey that is unfolding and the more you are in touch with the magician it's a joy <laughs> so you're not worried about problems <laughs> you are you, you you gladly surrender to even the most severe challenges that are given to you mm. so the, the the whole sort of way of looking at it is turned around yeah this is a fundamental shift yeah okay i would like that... to add here i would like to add here siddharth one thing i was referring to installing in the mind the idea of oneness yeah other is to see that this oneness this one being is profoundly loving delightful being mm. with whom we can enter into relationship and world is not a dangerous place it's not an enemy out there whom i have to find a way yeah. to compete and succeed and survive that is foolish notion of our yeah. evolutionary past that driven by fear leaving Yeah. the living mindset to have so we need that... to look at the universe as a living conscious beloved manifesting tremendous beauty and glory <laughs> wow yeah that that is inspiring um do what's a what's a day like in your life i like to keep it structured so i have structured my day from 5 to 10 get up in the morning at 5 get ready do the basics and go to matri mandir by 6 have my meditation in a work mm. and then 
six to seven, no, seven to eight, basic asanas, sun gazing, sun bath, all that. And eight o'clock, having breakfast, get ready for the day. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, nine to five is a working time. Mm-hmm. And it's my own personal choice to do that. Right. And uh, that way, structured it that way. Then again, five to six, again, some body work, walking, this or that. Again, then back to Matri Mandir, concentration, inner silence. Again, recalibrating, constant retuning of the instrument. Mm. And seven to eight, dinner time. And again, eight to 9.30, some work. And 9.30 mm. to 10, journaling, review of the day, planning of the next day, 10 o'clock, back to bed. Mm-hmm. And also I track my sleep to see the quality of the sleep. So, uh, so these are all, again, areas of constant improvement. What right. you eat, how you sleep, how you, what kind of workouts, how you study, how do you utilize your time? So there yeah. is a will to progress, aspiration to move towards greater and greater harmony and perfection in everything that we do. Right. So you, if you can get the dhinacharya designed, consciously put in place, and that's the wheel that generates your life. Yeah. So that's uh, constant tinkering, constant that's tinkering. Good. Very wholesome. <laughs> Very wholesome day. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you don't get it right all the all times because yeah. unexpected things happen. So you you have to shift your sleeping time, but you can always come back to your baseline for sure so i fix the baseline then you swing and you come back <laughs> i think i have one last question um what is the idea of love and how do you feel it has evolved for you over the years yeah first of all i cannot even refer to that as an idea it's an experience. Yeah, experience. Thank you for that. <laughs> it's an experience that uh, of pure joy and harmony and creativity and flow and uh, beauty and delight. And it's an all-encompassing experience. It's it's a radiance. It's a it's a radiance of your being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Initially, of course, it is confused for some person out there who gives love to you yeah uh, that is very rudimentary experience and understanding but as yeah. you dive deeper into that journey and you, if you surrender to it and uh, you're opening to the ocean of love in mm. which all things exist mm. and that begins to radiate and you sit alone in love That's it's really very nature of our existence, very foundation of our existence. It radiates a joyful, glad radiance. Mm. Harmony, rhythm, beauty, creativity, right. everything is part of it. Yeah, and, and it's free of, like you were saying, like uh, just insecurities and like the sense of like you against the world. You're not against the world. You're, you're, you're one that, so in some sense, it relates to your experience of oneness. 
nature see nature at a deep level is is love mm. and that's why our highest conception is the mother mother is embodiment of love divine shakti in which we in whom we exist and in that love is carrying us the more we realize and more we surrender to her love yeah there is nothing to fear and uh, it's not your love <laughs> not that you love x or x loves you these are very narrow windows through which to experience and look at it though that is how the heart opens a little bit and give you the taste of it but right. the more you learn to open and surrender to the vastness of love and it is about receiving and flowing just like humanity learned to harvest electricity and spin all the machines and now we mm. are harvesting intelligence and running intelligent machines we must be able to we are really designed to receive love mm. and allow that to radiate from us nature is yeah. preparing for us for that that's the highest glory the most wonderful experience to enter i think one more question comes to mind and yes that is what is the role of pain in opening the heart since we are unconscious and we resist change so the the divine sculptor has to sometimes need the clay and shape it make it malleable flexible open and then make it fluid and then shape the vessel that process sometimes is painful but the more you realize more you surrender to the master craftsman to the divine shakti who is shaping you then the pain reduces even in the biggest blow that comes to you you know that that is a way of shaping you to something that you did not uh you were not willing to move forward so then that yeah. push come so the more you are able to see that you are getting molded it is your resistance that is causing pain it is your fear that make you shrink and cause resistance and once you learn to trust mm. once you establish within you the attitude that there is one being mm. there is one love one ocean of love in which we exist one mother wisdom in which we exist if you are able to convince yourself that this is that and that experience can begins to enter you and you trust and you relax and it is less and less painful and more mm. and more joyful yeah i think there is like your um your attitude and just the way of looking at things is um is so inspiring and <clears throat> yeah i i like i i feel every time we have an extended interaction i i feel lighter and like i have i get like deep insights into um just like nature in some sense like i it could be like about myself or it could be about the working of nature or something so so that's really cool 
and I, I, yeah, and I, I guess in some sense, while I'm still figuring out my idea of love, there's also a feeling of being loved. <laughs> so, yeah, to experience that that you're being loved. Yeah, uh, and it is unconditional, and it is available all the time. Yeah, that's that's literally mind blowing. So that mind can rest in peace and heart can open up and widen. So yeah, so, so thank you for this conversation. Thank you, and thank you Siddharth. I feel privileged to have met you closely. Yeah, it's such a joy to have you and being the very first participant of Sadharma and having seen your journey and this is a shared journey, shared joy. And thank you for uh, what you are doing, what you are, and your sincerity, your commitment, and that fire in you. That's beautiful. Thank you.